the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another episode of Sideline Sanity with me, Michelle Tafoya. Hit that subscribe button. Give us a rating if you so choose. We love having you as listeners, and we want you there every single day that we are on. And today, I'm giving you a combo platter, a couple of guests that I've had on in the past that I loved. And sort of by design, they are both happen to be black men in America who I don't think would go along with this whole reparations plan in San Francisco that's being batted around. So they are Leonidas Johnson and Zeke Arkham. Now, Leonidas, I found on Twitter, and I love it. He's an author of a book called Raising Victims. And he also hosts a podcast called Informed Dissent. He's a Christian who calls himself not a Black American, but a Mocha American, uh, an advocate for post-racial identity. And here's his, I, I think I like this the best. His pronouns are leave me alone. Three pronouns, leave and me and alone. I love that about him. Zeke Arkham is another guest we've had before, a cop who is conservative, who supports other cops. And for good reason, he knows what they go through. We had a really interesting conversation about where policing is in America today, where it could be, where it should be, what's happening, and what maybe some of the solutions are. So I'm really pleased to present you a segment from each of theirs that I think really define who these people are, make them real, and make them some people that you need to listen to, some guys that you should, you'd probably want to have a beer with them, really. So without further ado, we'll start with Leonidas Johnson and then later Zeke Arkham. For nearly three decades, she's reported the action from the sidelines. She started very young. She's covered the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and the college football and basketball national championships. And now, during these insane times in our world, Michelle Tafoya thinks we need a serious dose of sanity. This is Sideline Sanity with your host, one of the sanest people on planet Earth, Michelle Tafoya. Leonidas, it is great to have you here. I'm always perplexed, and maybe I'm naive, and that's fine, uh, whatever, how people of color can call other people of color Uncle Tom's or whatever for their beliefs. What? What? How would you explain this? To me, I mean, why are people calling you a traitor to your race? So <laughs> I get that pretty often. That's a pretty common tactic. And there's a, there's a couple aspects to it, I think. There's, there's one aspect where if you don't toe a particular ideological line, then you're considered a traitor and you're considered uh, an outcast. And so there's that aspect where it's this bullying aspect and trying to pull you back into the fold. And then there is the other aspect where there is a, a certain ideological commitment that if you don't believe these things, then you're not actually black. You're not actually uh, part of this group. 
And you know, people like Nicole Hannah-Jones have expressed this explicitly, that there is a difference between being physically Black and being uh, politically Black, <laughs> which is just nonsensical, makes no sense. But this is how they justify the ideology. And it's like, listen, if you don't go along with progressivism and if you don't adhere to these actual ideas, then you can't be part of our club and we're going to bully you and call you names and, and treat you like an outcast. But, you know, it's just one of those things. It comes with the territory. Well, it reminds me of when uh, Joe Biden was campaigning and said, uh, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. I mean, right. I, it, it, it doesn't make sense to me because you've got whites, you've got Jews, you've got Asians, you've got Latinas, Latinos who are all over the map politically. So yeah. why people of one particular persuasion color in this case, skin color, for God's sakes, it, expect everyone to think the same way they do is is strange to me. How do you internally, when this first started happening to you, and and, and uh, trust me, I can I can guess how how it must feel. But how did you get past it? How do you have the fortitude to get to to deal with it and let those things sort of slide off of you? So it, it wasn't always that way. When I when I was growing up, I was very susceptible to it. And, you know, you want to be part of the in-group and you want to be accepted. That's just human nature. And part of being accepted is buying into those narratives of uh, victimhood and oppression and those sort of things. And I bought into that when I was growing up. It wasn't until I started to embrace concepts of individuality and individualism and move away from collective identity and really come into an idea of who I was as a, as a person and who I was as an individual in Christ uh, and place my identity there rather than in my race, that I started to see the deception and see how ridiculous such, an, such a prospect would be to say that just because I have a certain skin color, I have to identify a certain way and I have to carry this particular ideology. So it's a, for me, it's a difference between having a sense of individualism and seeing people as unique individuals versus having a collective ideology and seeing people as group collectives and believing that because they have a certain race, racial makeup or certain ancestry or certain skin color or whatever it may be, that that puts them in this sort of collective identity. And because of that, that elevates them to this, uh, this certain group level rather than an individual level. And so I think that's what it, I mean, the other aspect too, I would say too, is, is that it's a tool of manipulation. So yeah. when people have this sort of collective uh, identity that they, that they push on people, they know that they can control people through emotional manipulation and that desire to be included. So, you know, nobody wants to be accused of racism. Nobody wants to be accused of being an Uncle Tom or being a race trader or whatever. Uh, it, so if you can get into their emotions, you can control them that way. And I think that's what Joe Biden was doing when he said, if you don't vote for me, you're not black. He knew that it was a tool for manipulation and that people would respond that way. I, I hope more people saw right through it. I don't know. What, what was it in your life? that spurred this change from buying into this collectivism, this, um, you know, this sense of I am a victim automatically because of this color of my skin to a sense of individual individuality. Yeah. I don't think it was any big event. Um, it was something that happened gradually over time as I, as I grew closer to God and I started to get more ingrained in my Christian identity. Uh, if I had to point to one thing, when I really started to get, 
interested in politics and interested in uh, different ideologies and things like that was around the time that Michael Brown was killed in Ferguson. Mm -hmm. And I noticed the racial narratives around that were all false and they were manipulative and intentionally so. And, you know, it, it may have even started before that with the Trayvon Martin stuff when I really started to uh, recognize that something was wrong. But it was definitely the Michael Brown incident in Ferguson where I really started to pay attention to what was going on. Uh, you know, the media is coming out saying, you know, he had his hands up and uh, this, this white police officer just killed him just because he was black. And then all of these racial narratives, this intentional racial divisiveness that was going on in our country. And then uh, you, you, have, uh, you have President Obama coming out and, and, and supporting these narratives. And I'm just saying, what, what is happening? Like, this, yeah. none of this is true. And so that, that made me question everything that I had thought <laughs> before that I, that I thought was true about race and about racial outcomes and about police and everything else. And once you start looking into those things and start looking into the statistics, one of my friends put me on to Thomas Sowell and I started reading his, his uh, ah. exposés on, on race and, and things like that. And, and I, it really was eye-opening. And I, I hesitate to use the term <laughs> wake, but that's what happened. It was like I, I, <laughs> I, I became awake. And, and so not woke, but I became awake. <laughs> It, has this been a a lonely? Well, you said a friend turned you on to Thomas Sowell, which yeah. uh, I uh, I'm a huge fan of Thomas Sowell, um, and Sowell, not yeah. not not because of the color of his skin, but because of what he says, what he writes is so meaningful, um, and he's so honest. But w has this been a a lonely journey or one that you found people want to join you in? I think I think it's both. Um, there's a lot of uh, animosity and a lot of pushback, and that's to be expected. You know, when when you speak truth, uh, people find it offensive and they don't want to hear it. But I've also found that there are a lot of people who feel the same way, and they're just not sure how to speak out or they're afraid. You know, yeah. like they're, yeah. they're, and sometimes that's for very good reason because you know people have lost their jobs for saying the wrong things, and they've had mobs attack them for saying the wrong things. So it's legitimate in, in a lot of cases, but I've had so many people send me private messages and say, listen, I, I agree with you 100%, but I just can't say the things that you say because I, I don't want to lose my job or I don't want people to attack me. And so there's the, those very real fears. So it, 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 it's been a little bit of both. Um, but again, but, that, that speaks to the manipulation you talked about when, cause I sure. found that I found the same thing. Uh, a lot of women who I connect with, they, they, they don't want to repost what I post because they're afraid that, that again is that manipulation you spoke of earlier that we can be manipulated by fear of losing our job, of being canceled, of being thrown out of the social groups we, we perhaps appreciate. And mm -hmm. I, I wonder if you see an end to that. Like this cancel culture is, this is America. You're supposed to be able to say whatever you want. And, and no, and you know, I, I realize it's just the government and in the constitution that cannot slap back at you, but this is, this is, this has gone too far. Well, I mean, yeah, when you talk about free speech and ideals of liberty, yeah, it's, it's the government that's, you know, that's supposed to be restricted to, but 
it, it's supposed to be the foundation of our country, the foundational yes. ideals of our country. Yeah. And so you would hope that everybody would operate by those ideals, even though it's not explicit. But yeah, still, um, th- there's this sense in our culture that uh, if you don't go along with progressive dogma, then you're not compassionate or you're not empathetic and um, you need to be canceled. And that's widespread. And it's unfortunate. Now, whether I think that's changing, I I do. I, I am optimistic about it. I think that more and more people are becoming aware of what's actually happening. Um, and they're starting to push back on that. And I think with the critical race theory stuff, I think explicitly you, you see all these parents at school board meetings pushing back against it. Yeah. And you yeah. start to see more and more people uh, standing up and speaking out against these things once they recognize what's actually happening. Now, it's difficult. I'm not going to say it's an easy thing because these people have so deeply infiltrated our culture in every aspect of our culture, every aspect of our society, that it's going to be difficult to get around it because they control so many of the levers of power at this point and uh, so much of our culture. So, and, and they're the loudest. That's the other thing too. They're very yes. loud and obnoxious, even if they're a smaller percentage. So it yeah. makes them seem like they have, they have way more uh, yeah, power it, control than they do. Exactly. The, their volume kind of belies their size. But you mentioned those three letters, CRT, critical race theory. There are some that I've spoken to who don't believe that it's in our school systems. I know you believe otherwise. We're going to discuss that with Leonidas Johnson, whose pronouns, by the way, are leave me alone. I love those pronouns. Uh, he's got the book. It's coming out today. This is February 7th, 2023. You can pre-order it. It is called Raising Victims. If you are tired of looking tired, I'm going to tell you my skincare secrets because I think they've really helped me. Genucel, G-E-N-U-C-E-L. This is an amazing skincare line that is antioxidant based, and it's a company that's made and manufactured right here in the United States, formulated by a pharmacist with quality ingredients. So their products are sure to smooth out fine lines and wrinkles while preventing new ones from forming. My favorite product so far is this deep sea cleanser. It is soap free. That means after you've washed your face with deep sea cleanser, your skin feels fresh and alive and ready to absorb whatever you put on next, whether it's a moisturizer or a serum, all these products from Genucel will work wonders for you. And right now, save over 70% off Genucel's most popular package just in time for the warm spring weather. Featuring Genucel's Ultra Retinol that contains a powerful retinol alternative safe on your skin in the summer sun and Genucel's dark spot corrector to reduce the appearance of dark marks and sunspots from those long, beautiful summer days spent outside. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. Plus, you'll still get Genucel's classic under-eye bags therapy for those annoying under-eye bags and puffiness that we all dislike. 
And with its immediate effects, you'll see results in as little as 12 hours guaranteed or your money back. Don't wait. Visit GenuCell.com slash Michelle to save over 70% off their most popular package. Plus, every order subscription includes a luxury gift box with two free springtime essentials. That's two free gifts plus free concierge shipping for a limited time. Go to GenuCell.com slash Michelle. That's GenuCell, G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash Michelle with one L. Now to Zeke Arkham. The second part of this best of show today features another person that I really like. We had him on the podcast for the full length, and I'm I'm just giving you a portion of it today. But I talked about the pronouns for Leonidas. How about these? Zeke Arkham, cop with attitude, pronouns bruh and brother. I, I mean, what's not to love? He also has a podcast called Reasonable Suspicion. Zeke is a cop. He knows what it's like to live that life. He comes from generations of cops in his family. And so he has a lot to say about what's being done to police these days. And when I say being done, I mean, all the the morale that is being beat down by whether it's activists or politicians, Zeke has an, a unique perspective. And we talked to his approach to presenting this perspective to the world. He is tremendous on Twitter. I, I suggest you follow him. And it's Zeke, Z-E-E-K, Arkham, A-R-K-H-A-M. You'll see me tweet his stuff all the time because it's it's just so good. It's bold. It's fearless. He's got a little girl he's looking to protect and, and raise right and in a world that's a little more sane than the one we're living in now. So here's the second half of my original podcast with Zeke Arkham. You, as I mentioned earlier, are just fearless on Twitter. And I think people love authentic fearlessness. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. That's what you exude. Your pinned tweet, meaning the one that people will always see when they first come to your pages, wearing this to my kids' next PTA meeting. There'll be no indoctrinating or grooming going on while I'm on watch. And what you're wearing is a T-shirt that says, just a dad trying not to raise a liberal. I'm sure now that has 104,000 likes. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure that there were, there was some backlash. Do you remember some of the most absurd backlash to that? Oh, wow. Where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it actually improved my point because if you look in some of the comments, you have people threatening me. You have people threatening my daughter who's seven years old. You oh know, my God. You, know, you have people threatening my family. You know, you have people actively rooting for my daughter to now turn into a liberal, you know? So, I mean, it actually, it proved my point because the indoctrination and the grooming has gotten so bad that people can't even have a, a discourse now. You know, I, I wore that shirt because, you know, you see what's going on in, in classrooms with teachers. You know, they see themselves as activists now yeah. more than teachers. Yeah. And they want to put different flags up in the classroom 
in order to have the children ask questions because children are naturally curious. And they want to now put their uh, uh, ideas into a child's head. And that's not their job. That's not their place. So it's me fighting back against all of that. It's me saying, you know what? My daughter is going to be taught here at home by my wife and I's values. And we're not going to have anyone come in here and, and try to dissuade her from that or try to put their ideas into our child's head. That's not their job. That's not their place. You know, as, as police officers, we're not allowed to publicly show our political uh, affiliations or put our personal thoughts out there. You know, if I, I could feel one way all day. When I serve the public, I am unbiased or I'm supposed to be unbiased. I'm supposed to be able to treat everyone equally. And as teachers, it's not their job to put their ideas into children's heads or try to indoctrinate them in some way or try to say, hey, listen, this is who I am. And this is who you should be as well. No, right. their, their job is to teach. So I've always been advocating for some sort of oversight in, in classrooms, whether it's cameras, whether it's yeah. you know an independent monitor or something in every classroom, you know, something to just, you know, there, there are great teachers out there. There, yes. you know, there, there are teachers out there who just want to teach, who deeply care about children, who believe in their job. But then there are teachers out there who are activists and who, who, in my opinion, want to poison the mind of children. And and I don't think there's anything as too much of a fight for children. So that's why I wore the shirt. That's why I made the tweet. And you know what? If people are angry about that tweet, then, yeah, that tweet is directed towards them. For everybody else who gets it, thank you so much for the support. <laughs> you got a lot of it. Yeah, there are a couple things you mentioned. You, you talked about putting up flags in their classrooms and, you know, the thin blue line flag that supports the cops has become to some a symbol of racism. To them, you would say what? To them, I would say racism, how? There, there is no law that is directly against black or brown people or, or minorities. There is no statute that directly impacts black or brown or, or minority communities saying, you know, cops have to directly go after them. I was I would just ask how if you think these laws are racist, if you think policing is racist, how now are there racist cops out there? Possibly. But the overwhelming majority of people in law enforcement simply want to do what every other person wants to do. Go to work, do their job and come home. If one class of people is disproportionately uh, committing crimes, well, then that's where they're going to put police because that's where you need police. So law isn't racist. Police aren't racist. Maybe it starts at home. Maybe it starts in the community. Maybe you need to look at your community and figure out why are there so many cops here? Why are there cops on the corner? Why are there, Why is there a cop car riding by every five minutes? And then figure out, okay, who do we have to talk to? Who do we have to get out of our community? Who do we have to fix in order for that not to happen? Listen, I grew up in a high crime neighborhood. I saw a whole lot of cop cars. I saw a whole lot of cops on foot posts, making sure the community was safe. I moved and I'm in a different neighborhood now. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. 
I rarely ever see a cop car. Matter of fact, when one comes down the block, it's, it's like, oh, hey, look at that, you know, because <laughs> yeah. we don't, we we just don't see it where I live now. So, but you know, where I live now, there, there's not that high crime element. The cops don't have to work as hard as opposed to where I grew up, and the cops had to work hard. But the attitude's different here. If 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 a crime is going on here, it's, it's reported. You know, people will call nine one one and hey, get that person off our corner. You know, in in where I grew up. There was crime happening right in front of us, and no one called the cops. You know, there was a there was that no snitching attitude going on. Uh, yeah. So that has to change. So it's not policing and law that is racist, it, but the people it, it, uh, in the these areas need to stop being victims and need to take back control of their neighborhoods from a minority of people who directly want to destroy that neighborhood for their own personal gain. You also mentioned, you know, indoctrination in classrooms and that you have this young, precious daughter. And I was reading earlier today that there are an estimated 6,000 school districts, I believe, that are allowing teachers to hide when a child says, oh, I want to change my pronouns. I want to change my gender. I want to, at school, I want to identify as the opposite sex. And, and, and they are sworn to not tell parents. I, it, this notion that teachers are stepping into the roles of parents and, and in fact, prohibiting parents from knowing specific things about their own children. I, I don't, there are a few things that make my blood boil as much. How, how do we, where do we start with that? How do we counter that? It starts with us as parents. We have to be able to tell our children, you can tell us anything, mm-hmm. you know, just to counter that because parents are fighting a battle right now. Like I said, against activist teachers, you know, I've always said, once you see yourself as an activist, it's going to bleed into everything else you're doing. You, you, you're going to become an activist parent. You're going to become an activist, whatever your job is. You know, if you go to church, you're going to be an activist in church, you know, and, and I like to say that activism, while, while it's a good thing in some cases, that real rabid, you know, woke activism destroys everything. It makes you, it, it takes away from everything. It makes you worse at whatever it is you're trying to do. So to have these teachers out there who are now saying, oh, you don't have to tell your parents, tell us, tell us how you feel and, and we'll take care of it for you. You know, that's, I don't understand how anyone can see that and not understand it's destructive. It's corrosive towards the relationship between a child and their parents but like I said, now you have these activists now who want to feel good about what they're doing. So now they're trying to influence children. They want to feel they want some sort of affirmation as to how they live their lives and what they're doing in their own personal lives. So now they're looking at children and going, you can talk to us. We're going to bring you onto our side. It, it, it's it's almost like a new level of bullying to me because oh. you have, you know, they're not picking on yeah. someone who can talk back to them and go, you know, no, I'm not going to just talk to you and, yeah. and leave this out of my parents. You know, they're, 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 they're picking on people who they have influence over children, you know, young children, even high school children who are still trying to figure out what they're trying to do. Their, their brains are still developing. Exactly. This is who they're picking I, on. This is who they're picking on. And you know, it's amazing that we took a, a college coach had to go to court in order to be able to pray with his his players after after a game. After a game, pray with the players. He gets fired. He has to go to court to defend that because they're saying, well, 
he's an authority figure. And so he could influence kids who really don't want to pray. He could force them to pray because they don't want to lose their spot on the team. Well, how is that? Now, if you're going to apply that logic to that moment of praying with a coach, how do you not apply that logic to teachers who are hiding children from their parents who are saying, your secret's safe with me? Uh, how do we not know that they are in putting these ideas in the kids' heads by saying, you can be any gender you want. You may think you're a boy, but you might not be a boy. You may think you're a girl. You may not be a girl. You may be anything in between. And now the kids are going, oh, yes, teacher, I love my teacher. So therefore, she must be right or he must be right. And and that's not th- that's uh, that's OK. But asking your team if they want to pray with you <laughs> is not. I mean, it's it's unbelievable to me, Zeke. I, I completely agree. You know, I, I tell a funny story that when I was three years old, I, I said to my mom uh, at the time, I wish I didn't have a penis. And <laughs> and thankfully, my mom wasn't woke. <laughs> my mom, my mom is the direct opposite of woke. So my mom just kind of like looked at me and said, OK, and ignored me. You know, my mom tells me this story. I personally don't remember it. But my I mom is going to say, if you remember that, that's something. No, my, my mom tells me that story because she thought it was funny and she kind of just left me alone. But thank God my mom wasn't one of these woke parents today because I think I'd make a pretty ugly woman. <laughs> you know? if, 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 my, if, if these parents nowadays hear this, the first thing they want to do is take their kid to gender-affirming uh, surgery and now want to put them on puberty blockers and now want to put them in dresses and, oh, this is what my son said to me. So he, he's obviously a girl in a boy's body, you know, and, yeah. and, and to me, that's, that's abuse because kids don't yeah. know what they're saying. You know, my daughter, they don't know you you just said their brains are still developing. And I mean, we're talking about children. If you right. want to, you know, say when they become adults, 18, you know, Hey junior, why don't you hold off on that thought about wishing you didn't have a penis and we're, we're going to deal with it. Cause you know what? You do have a penis and there's yeah. really nothing we can do about that. <laughs> so let's just hold off and see how you feel in another few years. And you know, it seems to me, you probably changed your mind, Zeke. <laughs> yeah, well, somewhere along the way. Absolutely. <laughs> but I mean, that this, this idea that, that kids should guide the parents to, to, to parenting them. Mommy, I feel like, or, you know, oh, I could tell my son. Now, look, um, Caitlyn Jenner says she was transsexual from a very young age. It's, it's an interest. She's an interesting person to listen to because she has handles herself the way that she has. And she, she doesn't think that this is for everyone. And she also sees some issues with allowing this to happen too young. And my gosh, Zeke, we're seeing a surge in this. So clearly this is like, it almost feels fad like to me, like, oh, it's really cool to be non-binary. And so therefore I'm going to do it or an attention seeking uh, device. So I, I I don't know. Does your seven-year-old hear anything in her classes yet that, you know, she needs to learn new pronouns or anything? No, thankfully not at all. You know, and my wife and I talk to her every day to ask her what happened in school and, and what did the yeah. teacher say to you? And, you know, you understand you can talk to us if anything happens, right? Listen, my, my, my seven-year-old, all she cares about is, you know, playing her little games on her computer and playing with her dolls and talking to her friends. You know, she, she doesn't care about what gender she is or whether she's gender fluid or whether she's, you know, feels like a cat today. You know, a, a, a couple of years ago, she wanted to be a fairy princess, you know, because she was watching a whole bunch of 
cartoons on TV. So she walked right. around with fairy wings all the time. Yeah. You know, that, that, yeah. that's all she cares about. She doesn't care about yeah. anything else. She doesn't come home and say, hey, mommy, I think I'm a boy today. Or, hey, daddy, you know, I think I'm a boy. Today. Like, she doesn't care about any of that. So I look at all these children now who who have these ideas in their head. You know, oh, I think I'm a boy now. You know, I think I'm a girl today. Oh, I think I want to be a cat today. I think I'm a tiger today. You know, yeah. this is all parents and their influence over children. This is all adults doing this to children. And like I said, children, they want approval. They want to feel like they're doing the right thing in grown-ups' eyes. So if a grown-up is saying to them, oh, I think you're a boy, and they're saying it over and over again, this is where the children are going to go. Oh, that is a that is a scary thought because you can you see it happening all over TikTok. That's that's for sure. All right, a couple more of your tweets before I let you go. Um, here's one that just in the last twenty four hours, leftists say January sixth was so awful for the police officers. Some of them got injured, and that is unacceptable. They're our heroes. Also, leftists. The summer of love riots were completely peaceful and video evidence of cops getting assaulted, police vehicles getting destroyed and police precincts getting taken over or attempting to be taken over were the cops fault. Also defund the police. So yes, you're talking about the fact that the left is talking out of both sides of its mouth. You know, it's, it's really something I, I think both sides can be guilty of these things, but it seems, well, obviously I'm a little bit biased, but it seems to me that it is really pronounced, particularly in that example. And you being a cop, you, you know, uh, it, this has got to just hit you right between the eyes. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Both sides can be guilty of it, but it seems like it's just so much more prevalent on the left, especially when it comes to January 6th and and how they all of a sudden now honor police. You know, these are the same, these are the same people who a day before we're saying defund the police and, you know, uh, maybe we need to reimagine policing. And yeah. you had even had some elected officials of Congress saying we need to abolish the police while they had their own security programs, you know, were spending tens of thousands of dollars on their own personal security because yeah. they were important people. But, but, you know, you have to defund the police or abolish the police in their represented districts, which I don't understand how people heard that and still wanted to vote for them. But this is where we are. <laughs> yeah, that is a mystery to me. That is a mystery to me how these people can continue to get votes. I, I just I don't understand it. Uh, you're clearly would you describe yourself as a conservative? I would I would describe myself as more of a uh, libertarian conservative because, okay. you know, I still do believe in personal freedom. I still do believe that, you know, listen, as long as you're not hurting someone or, or per directly infringing on their freedoms, you know, with very limited exceptions go for it live your life you know i i, I think th i think the government uh gets involved too much in people's lives and the more the government steps back and people can just live their lives and be neighbors and look at each other as neighbors we we, we tend to all get along no matter how you vote no matter what your racial background is or sexual preference or anything if you leave people alone they tend to get along it's not until yeah, the government gets along and or the, the activists come into play and then the government bowing to the activists that all of a sudden everyone wants to fight each other. Given your, your political stance um, and, and that, that what you've just described and the fact that you're black, it, it seems to me that black conservatives get attacked. They're almost a marginalized group. <laughs> if you want to, if you want to be honest about it, I mean, it's as though you have betrayed 
your 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 fellow black people. It's as though you are the, the Uncle Tom. They want to give you all these names that nauseate me, frankly. Like like you don't have a mind of your own. So when you're confronted with that, how do you respond? I mean, I, honestly, I've heard it so many times <laughs> during the course of having my Twitter account. I'm just kind of used to it by now. You know, uh, honestly, not a day goes by where either somewhere in my tweet responses or in my DMs, I, I get called all kinds of things. There, there were a couple of things I got called. I actually had to look it up just to figure out, was, was that a slur? <laughs> oh, yeah, that was a slur, you know. <laughs> People have gotten creative. And, and listen, I've said to them, hey, listen, I've never heard that one before. I'm actually impressed. You know, you, yeah. you got a new one. I, I take it with a sense of humor. But, you know, listen, if, if I'm getting people upset, that means that they are listening. And that means that somewhere the truth is hitting them. My great grandmother used to say all the time, no one ever died from hurt feelings. You know, people tend to recover pretty quickly from hurt feelings. So if I'm hurting your feelings with the truth, I'm happy I'm doing so because the truth is out there. I like to pride myself on saying, you know, to me, the truth is a direct line. I don't have to, you know, explain the truth. I don't have to, you know, reach for the truth. I don't have to, you know, uh, uh, spin things in order to get to the truth. The truth is where it is. So I've always been on the side of the truth. A lot, something a lot, uh, a lot of other black people say to me is, "Well, you have to remember, you were black first. Well, yeah, I, I get that. <laughs> I, I have a functioning mirror. I, I completely understand. <laughs> I, I'm black. <laughs> However, I'm on the side of the truth. You know, if if I'm trying to fit the truth to to go into a certain narrative, then it's a lie. So as long as I tell the truth, I'm okay. I love what your great grandmother said. It's kind of like what Chris Rock said in his special the other night. People who think words hurt have never been punched in the face. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> sticks and stones, people. Sticks and stones. You got to get back to that basic childhood rule. I recommend that everyone follow him, Zeke Z E E K Arkham, uh, and that's your Twitter handle at Zeke Arkham. Cop with attitude. The notorious COP, this is this is my favorite. Pronouns are bruh and brother. <laughs> all opinions my own. American Patriot, hashtag all lives matter. What an absolute pleasure to listen to you and to to hear all of your thoughts. I this has been a joy for me, Zeke, and I hope we can do it again. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. The honor's mine. Yeah, you bet. Anytime. Don't forget, folks, this has been Sideline Sanity. And the two things I always say at the end of every show. Be brave and do good. Thanks for listening. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.